Welcome to Dominion Sonship Live today. We have a word. I have a word. And I, the more I ponder what the Lord gave me for today, the more I recognize that this is really the core of the issues of the heart of man. That truly, that which I believe I have for today is in the core of, of who we are. And it's just the way the Lord has made us. And if we're not fitted in Him through the acknowledging of who He is and us receiving who He is and what He has done for us, we'll never be able to walk out that which I'm about to communicate today. And the word today, the title is, Love Has Justified Us. Love has justified us. Love has justified us. The core of man is this desire to be right. The core of our existence is this desire to be just. And so from there we have social justice. From there we have this cry for justice. From there we have these these almost demands that we put on the outside and they're not wrong on themselves. But if they don't stem from a sense of us being right and just within us, then we really are pursuing something on the external that can never make us right in our understanding. And so there'll be always one more cause to fight. There'll always be one more situation to make right. There'll always be one more argument for me to trump and make sure that I ever knows I'm right. There'll always be this unending desire to prove to someone I'm right. All right. I'm right. I'm always right. When God has already justified us in Christ, and that's the title, love has justified us. A few weeks ago, during the worship moment on a Sunday morning, the Lord spoke to me that he came to rescue the heart from hatred. And so the opposite of knowing I'm just is knowing I'm guilty. The opposite of not being right is being wrong. And when my conscience is bogged down with being wrong, with not being right, with messing up one more time, with failing over there and over there, and as soon as you see one failure, we have an adversary who brings to remembrance ten more failures. And before we know it, we're down in the pits and we're in self-loathing. We're in self-hatred. And when God has come and has already rescued us from that torment of guilt, the torment of condemnation, the torment of knowing I'm really not right and yet I should be right. So how do I make myself right? So let's go to Romans 8. Romans 8. I just wanted to kind of give you, give you that four word to, to give you a context of how on a daily basis there's this desire within us to be right. And that actually that is a big chunk of what we do on a regular basis, whether it be on the workplace that I do an excellent job so that I'm seen as right, whether it will be in my studies and there's nothing wrong in, in excellence. There's nothing wrong in doing the right things because they are right. But because I do the right things does not make me right. If I have a guilty conscience, no matter how many right things I do on the outside, I'm driven by a desire to be made right and the external can never make me right. The external would always communicate not enough. 
This act of righteousness did not enough. This act of justice did not enough. Because when we're weighed down with a guilty conscience, it's within us talking to us 24-7. 24-7. Not right. How can I be right? I wish I was more right. I wish I did more right. I, I want to silence all of it today. And, and of course, just if you go back to these verses that we're going to read today, there'll be, there'll be a grace to be able to walk out what, that which God has already done for us. So if you go to Romans chapter 8, verse 28, starting with a verse that is very popular. And so, but it would take us into, into, into the, the verses thereafter, not as popular. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And I believe the verses right after that tell us why all things work together, together with the verses beforehand also tell us why things work together for, right? The verses right before us is about the Holy Spirit leading us in intercession and praying out the very mind of God. And when we pray the right prayers, there is an equipping, there is an equipping to make all things working right for me. But the verses that come after this verse 28 I just read is really the foundation of why the Holy Spirit even has the ability to lead us into intercession. Why? That, that once we've taken and received the mind of Christ through prayer is that we can still stand in a place of rightness to be able to execute that which we pray so that things do turn around right. It's 29. For whom he foreknew, whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, whom he foreknew, whom he chose before the foundations of the world. The mind of God is so vast that he knew us even before we came to earth. He had preordained our lives for the moments that we were, we were to be birthed into the earth that with assignments, with callings, with, with a glorious future ahead of us, that the mind of God already knew us. And the ones he knew, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these also glorified. He also glorified. And so we are seeing here that because we're known by God, that's the most amazing thing. Because I'm known by God, at that moment we might think, oh my, he knows all my faults. He knows all my faults. But before we even dare have a thought like that, he's so quick to say the ones he foreknew, he called unto himself. And before we even have a thought there, oh my dear, he called me to reprimand me. No, he said, I, those he called, he, he justified. He called me just. Because he knew me and because he loved me and because he had a plan for my life, he called me just. Why? We'll look into it for a demo. Because of Calvary, because of the Lord Jesus Christ coming and dying on the cross and becoming every torment and every evil and every accursing and every sin that potentially anyone can experience, the whole bulk of it, no man has experienced, but he has the Lord Jesus Christ on that cross and that sin, that sin, that sin killed him because the wages of sin is death. 
that wrath that came from that sin that was laid on him to rescue us humanity, took him down to the pit of hell. And there by the Holy Ghost, he was quickened because he was a just man. It was part of the plan of God. Sin had to be removed off his man. And so God himself came in flesh so that we no longer deal with the torment in our mind. We're no longer ensnared by perpetual sin, by continuous snares, by continuous wanting to do better, not doing better, and 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 um, that which we don't do, we do. Without which we, you know, we want to do, we don't do. And that whole confusion, we have a glimpse of it right before this chapter in Romans seven that Paul experienced before he got born again. He says, "Who would rescue me from this body?" Of sin. Who would rescue me from this flesh? Says, but thanks be to God through the Lord Jesus Christ, I've been rescued. And that rescue is a justification. That love justified me while I was yet a sinner. So from here, let's go to 5 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, here we go. How are we justified? We recognize that this justification of the Lord Jesus, that, that God wrote and Paul wrote in, 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 um, in Romans 8 is a justification that God has reckoned on us. He has imputed it on us. He has, he has freely given it to us. This gift of righteousness, he has freely given it to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. But just because the gift is given, we have to receive the gift. And the gift is received by faith. The gift is received by faith. How, what, what does that mean? I receive a gift by faith. I believe what he did for me. I believe what he said he did for me. I believe the word of God. And at that moment, I am just like Father Abraham that here we're going to read during this, this, this message that because he believed God, it was credited to him as righteousness. Because he believed God, it was imputed on him to be right with God. And so here in Romans 5, 1, therefore, having been what justified by faith, we have, this is the key, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. What this is telling me is that the justification and knowing I'm justified, this act of God that he has given to us, granted to us through the Lord Jesus Christ is really for my peace, to know I now have peace with the Father. And that is what all of us are after. Peace in our minds, peace in our heart. And when I know I am right, peace is there. The struggle is over. When I know I'm right with God, and this right with God is not a self-righteousness that I could earn, because I could never do it right. I could never of my own do enough right things to earn uh, peace with God. I'll always be aware of fall, fall, shortfallings. I'll always be aware in the grandness and in the beauty and in, in the love that God is and in the benevolent nature that God is. When I stand before that benevolent nature, I will always see in my carnal man a part of me that's not truly been transformed by love. A part of me that still hasn't fulfilled every good thing I could possibly do. A part of me that, that is fully aware I have withheld something good from another at some point. 
a part of me that knows that in my flesh I'm still struggling with some thoughts. But when I have the revelation by faith, I've been justified now. That justification, that being made right because of a work of, of, of a great sacrifice that Jesus became an atoning sacrifice. But that blood, when that blood was shed off that lamb, it cleansed me. It cleansed my conscience. And in that purged, clean conscience, I have peace with my father. And I can smile. <laughs> and I can smile because I know I have been accepted in the beloved. And we know faith is of the heart. Matthew 12, if we go to Matthew 12. We know faith is of the heart. And we also know that our heart moves our mouth. And so all that we say and all that we are truly comes from our heart. And that's why Matthew writes in, in chapter 12 here, verse 37, For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. We, we can't take this outside of what I just read, that, that I've been justified by faith, that God has brought forth a justification on me because he knew me and he loved me and he called me and he justified me and this justification has brought forth a glorification. The ultimate glorification is knowing I have peace with God. To know that I'm now one with my Father and that between God and I there's no strife. Between God and I there's no issue. Between God and I it's all good. Between God and now there is a blood that speaks a better word on my behalf. And so from this place of persuasion of that which I believe when I speak, I'm made right. Isn't that amazing? From this place of persuasion when I speak, when I know that that, that which he did for me on the cross is sufficient to make me right. And so thereafter, I don't have to have another act of righteousness to make me even more right. But when I believe that which is done to make me right, from that persuasion, I speak, and this speech is producing an action, and the actions of a man that knows that he is right with God is always a right action. So the right that I do comes from a persuasion that I believe. But no act on the external can bring forth a persuasion in the internal. Not enough that I can do on the outside to persuade me that I'm right. Without me knowing I'm right, even though I might do right works, they were the wrong motive. Not right. Wrong motive. It's a selfish motive. But when one is fully persuaded of this finished work as Father Abraham was, that he believed when God called him, he's the father of many nations, and in the presence of God, he believed God, Abraham believed God. And at that moment, it was created to him. As righteousness. And thereafter, he started a righteous walk. Thereafter only, he started a righteous walk. To be an example of what it looks like to trust God. What it looks like to believe something I can't see. So, I wanted to look at the word justified in, that we just read in, um, in Romans 5 there. It, it, it comes from a Greek word, dikao, to show to be righteous, declared righteous. 
defend the cause of plead for the righteousness, innocence, acquit, justify. But the word study is really neat because it's from DK or Dyke, and that is right. It's a ju- judicial approval, so it's it's like a legal term. Properly, it is approved, especially in a legal authoritative sense to show what is right. That is to be conformed to a proper standard, upright. And so when God calls us right, it is a system of justice that is pure and in the spirit legally right so that there is nothing that in the spirit can communicate we are not right unless we don't believe what God has done for us. Because this is a legal term of being made right. Being approved. When God said, I, I, I've justified you where he is concerned and in, in all spiritual spheres, there is a righteousness that's been imputed on us and in the spirit, I'm seen as right. And the only thing that can malign that, it's me not believing. And when I don't believe, I will say the wrong thing. Gee, I feel crappy today. I've messed up again. Gee, I, I, why am I always wrong? I'm wrong again. At that moment, we know we really don't fully, fully believe. Believe to a level and degree, and there is one more and more and more thereafter. To come back to these verses, that by faith I have been justified and have now entered into this grace by which I stand before God as a just man. So here um, we see a lawyer going to, to Jesus, grappling with this very question in Luke 10, 25. And behold, Luke 10, 25, behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, tested God, tested Jesus. Another moment of testing of Jesus. I think the last two weeks we looked at different instances where Jesus was tested. So this is a third instance where Jesus was being tested, this time by a lawyer on a legal term. Because being right is a matter of legal standing. And either you know you are or you know you're not. So this lawyer said, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? Jesus said to him, and he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Jesus said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he wanting to what? justify himself, said to Jesus. So he's looking for a legal way out. He's looking for a loophole because really now suddenly he's feeling convicted. But even that which he said. You know, uh, the, the part of, you know, love God with all that you are and your neighbors yourself. And the part about loving God, I kind of get it, but loving my neighbors, myself, I'm aware of shortfallings every time. So what's going on in this legal mind of this law is I'm not right on that one. 
On that one, I'm not right. Uh, I, I think I'm right on the part of loving God because I don't see him, so I love God. But the one whom I see, I'm aware of shortcoming there. So now he's wanting to justify his conscience before God, the justifier, with a slight question, a technicality. So who is my neighbor again? Who is my neighbor, Jesus? Who is it that I'm supposed to love, Jesus? Just give me one, two, three people. Those, those maybe I can, you know, there, I can, I, I'll be able to work on those ones. Look what he says, God says. And he, but he wanting to justify, so the Lord wanted to justify himself and ask that, who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jericho. And we know this is the story of the Good Samaritan. And this, this, this certain man fell among thieves. He was beaten up. He was, his clothing was stripped. He was wounded. And those that beat him up, they departed from him and they left him half dead. So now by chance, a certain priest. So here we have the legally right one with God, supposedly, the, 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 the priest came down the road, and when he saw this man beaten up, he passed by on the other side. By on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, another of, 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 the, of the house of, of Levi, of, of the priesthood, when he arrived at that place, came and looked. He actually went and actually took note of this man being half dead and didn't do any better than the priest. And all these are supposed to represent God. These are supposed to be God's representative. They're supposed to be the ones supposed to show and tell you who God is. The ones are supposed to tell you this is what mercy looks like. This is what forgiveness looks like. This is what love looks like. Ah, 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 you, I'm not dealing with you. I'm going to go over on this side. I'm going to walk on my little way because I just love God. I love God. Likewise, the Levite, the same thing. And, but a certain Samaritan, now Samaritan is not even a Jewish man. It is it, like a heathen. Unclean. Without a covenant with God. A certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. When he saw him, he had compassion, had compassion, had compassion. He went to him and, and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and it cost him something. Put him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Lavish generosity. Lavish generosity. It's who God looks like. God would use anyone to display mercy on another. And unfortunately, sometimes it's those that we in our minds don't think represent God. And the ones that represent God at times have faltered. But that's why this message is that we don't falter in these areas. And why do we falter? Because of unrighteous mindset, which tells me, you know what? I'm better than that one. I've got to justify myself. I'm better than that one. I'm more just than that one. I don't touch that one. He's bloody. It's unclean. So he took him to the innkeeper and told the innkeeper, I'll repay you. Whatever is needed to, to recover this man, you do that. And So Jesus said, so which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the Lord said, he who showed mercy on him. 
And Jesus said to him, "Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise." What a conviction this produced! See, whenever we want to be justified before God, if we don't believe we already are just, all we will receive from God is conviction. All we receive from God is conviction. Come up higher. Come up higher. Let's go to um, where sixteen, yeah, sixteen, fourteen. To the Pharisees, the religious rulers, this is Jesus will talk to them about the same matter. Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money, <laughs> lovers of money also heard all these things and they de derided him. And he said to them, you are of those who justify yourself before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Self-righteousness and self-justification is pure evil in the sight of God. Walking with this arrogance, I'm right and you are wrong, is not right in the sight of God. Let's go to 18, 9. This is the parable of, the, of a Pharisee and the tax collectors. Both are found praying. And Jesus gives the story. So verse 9, also he who spoke this parable, also he spoke this parable to some who trusted what? In themselves. That's the bottom line, is when we don't trust God, we trust in ourselves. And when we trust in ourselves, we recognize so much inadequacy in ourselves. And that is where the condemnation starts. And that is where the guilt starts. And that is where the voices start tearing us apart. Because we recognize me of myself at the end of the day, I can't do anything. I can't make anything right. So here, uh, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. So they trusted in themselves that they were just. I am right. I am so right. I trust in myself. I trust in myself that I'm right. I'm not believing a finished work that God did for me. No, 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 no. I, I know I'm right just because of who I am. And when you do that, you despise others. Because these people that he spoke to, he knew they trusted in themselves and what they were, they were, that they were righteous and what, and they despised others. Cause the self hate you have within in your carnal man is what you project to the other. You project that, that, that self loathing within from knowing a, the, the guilty conscience, a lack of revelation of a finished work of Calvary, a lack of revelation of the love of God, a lack of revelation that now I'm part of him and he's part of me. He's in me and I'm in him. That we are now one and we're walking it out as I'm growing up in that stature of the love of God and being perfected and, and, and fear is being cast away from me. But I know one thing. I'm right before him because of what he's done for me. And I'm going to press and I'm going to go higher and I'm going to go deeper in the, in the truth of the word of God and I'll allow the word to transform my mind at that moment. I'm not aware of my own self. I'm aware of him. So this is a story Jesus says. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee 
stood and prayed thus with himself. He prayed with himself. God wasn't even engaged in that prayer. So he prayed with himself, the Pharisee, the religious ruler. God, I thank you that I'm not like the other man. Extortionist, unjust, adulterous. Right there, he's judging. He doesn't even know if they really are that. But I'm, I'm despising them. I think they are that. And because I'm not that, I'm just. Because I know I'm not um, an adulterer, I'm just. Because I know I'm not a tax collector, I'm just. And so that moment you're putting these labels, these cover-ups, these masks, so to say, to, to make me feel right. But God calls those, what, a, what is it, a whitewashed tombstone full of dead bones inside. You only wash the outside of the cup, but inside it's filthy. Pharisees stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you, I'm not like the other man, extortionist, unjust, adulterous, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice. So here we go, the religious duties, what I do. I do everything good. I do everything good, God. I do everything good, God. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess, even the spices. He tells them that they actually tithe from their spices, the Pharisees. I believe in tithing, but that doesn't make me just before God. I tithe because I am just. And a tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Look what Jesus says. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Bow the knee to God. Pray to God. Don't pray with yourself. Bow the knee to God and acknowledge him as merciful to you. Acknowledge that you could have never earned his love. You could have never earned that which he has given you. So now we go back to Romans, to the finished work of Calvary. Romans 3 this time, coming into some favorite verses of mine. We've started 3.20. Therefore, this is Paul writing, therefore by the deeds of the law, the deeds of the law that the Pharisees was rehearsing to, to in, in his prayer moment in the temple. Paul says, by the deeds of the law, no flesh, no flesh will be justified in God's sight. No flesh can stand based on a religious work and be justified in the sight of God. For by the law is what? The knowledge of sin. This verse ties with what you're saying in Romans 7. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God, <laughs> apart from the law, is revealed. It's being unveiled. This divine righteousness is being unveiled before us, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. 
even the righteousness of God, being right with God, the very nature of rightness that God has. God's nature is rightness. God's nature is, is pure, divine righteousness. Everything in Him is right. The love divine is righteousness. When we looked a few weeks that you know, God is not 20% love and 30% uh, justice and, and another 10% truth. God is justice. God is love. God is righteousness. And righteousness is love and love is righteousness. Says even now, this, this, this righteousness is being, being revealed before us. Verse 22 again. Even the righteousness of God through what? Faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. This divine righteousness is only received by believing. By believing. By believing. What he says in the word is true. By believing. For there is no difference. For all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. But look at this. Being justified freely by His grace. Even though we have to recognize that all have sinned. We have to recognize that no one can stand before God and say, I did one right thing and therefore I qualify to be made right with God. All have sinned. But that that is not, which means we've all been disqualified. But Christ came to qualify us. Christ came to make us right. Freely, it says freely, we've been justified freely by his grace. By a work he did, I didn't have to do. Justified by grace means he did it, I didn't do it. By a work that he did, being justified freely, freely, Freely didn't cost me anything. Didn't cost me anything. But it cost him everything. It cost him his own self. He died his own life. He released. So I could live. Justified freely by his grace through what? The redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God set forth as a propitiation. That is an atoning sacrifice by his blood, by his blood through faith. That blood is what obliterated sin. That blood is what washed me, though my sin was scarred as red. That blood washed me. It made me whiter than snow. The blood has purged my conscience and my mind. The blood has sanctified my thoughts. The blood has given me brand new thoughts. And I now am one with God, made right huh? before him forever I stand in love. With no art between him and I. That is amazing. No art between God and I. God would never say you ought to have done that. You should have done that, Desi. You didn't do that. When I stand before him in faith, before him, knowing that atoning sacrifice was sufficient, ah, there's only love and there's only approval and there's only acceptance. And all I hear is, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine. Glory be to God, you're mine. And why did God do that? To demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, in his great patience, in his great loving 
patience. God passed over the sins. He passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. God alone is a justifier. I'm not the justifier. But I receive his justification because I'm one of the ones who has faith in Jesus. Because I'm one of the ones who has faith in Jesus. Therefore, there's no boasting. I can't be like the Pharisees beating myself. You know, I'm so good, God. I'm so good, God. I fast and I tithe and I do everything right. I'm not like those publicans. I'm not like those heathens. I'm not like the world. I, eh, I live life just for you, God, because I'm just just. Or the priest with the nose stuck up and walked right past the man that was hurt and bleeding and dying. Or the Levite. He said, you want to justify yourself to the Pharisees. You seek to justify yourself before the people. But here, he said, he demonstrated in verse 26, demonstrated at the present time his righteousness. God is God. He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It's excluded. Verse 28. Therefore we conclude, <laughs> this is the conclusion of the matter, that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law, apart from my deeds, apart of what I can do, I can't do. Now I'm not saying deeds are not important, but what I'm saying is that when I know I'm just from this mindset of the just this mindset of the righteous, the deeds that come out, they're just deeds. The mindset of the righteous would always produce just deeds. Because I, when I know I am right, I will do right. But if I'm struggling with not feeling right, I don't feel right today. I falter. Where was the falter? It was in my mind. The falter was in my persuasion, not in my outer, because my outer would do what my inner is persuaded by. Isn't that profound? So what we believe is by our words, because what we, what, what does the word say that words, they come from, 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 from the heart. So what I believe will either what justify me as I speak it out, or condemn me. So we ourselves, when we lack a persuasion of the problem. <laughs> so here we go, back to the drawing room. We go back to these verses. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. How powerful that is. So then if we go to chapter 4, what then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. So if, if my right standing with God was based on what I did, I can boast. That's what it's saying. But not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. 
Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. If I could earn it, then God owes me righteousness. If I could earn righteousness, God owes it to me. God owes me nothing. So here, verse 5, but to him who does not work, meaning the work of earning righteousness, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly. <laughs> God justifies the ungodly because of belief. Not because they could do it right. This is the ultimate description to me of the mercy of God. But to him who does not work for righteousness sake, right? But believes on him who justifies the ungodly. His faith is accounted for righteousness. And just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works, the blessedness of this moment. But David writes, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. <laughs> blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. They couldn't help themselves, could not forgive themselves, but God in his love bestowed honor on them, forgave. And whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute sin. Does not impute sin. Let's go to chapter 5 here. We already read in 5.1 that therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But here is the, a key verse to Christianity. It's verse 8. Hmm. Oh well. Let's see, six, hallelujah. For when we were still without strength, when we were still sinners, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. In due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. Perhaps if you were good, someone could dare die, but God goes beyond that. Wow, ungodly. And everything wrong with you, he died for me. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in this manner. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then? How much more then? If he died while I was still a sinner and now, uh, now I'm his, I'm no longer that. How much more now than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Isn't that amazing? That's why I said love has justified us because while we were sinners, he died for us. This is how he demonstrated his own love towards us, to justify us. Love doesn't want you to be wrong. When you love someone, you see nothing wrong in them. Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. When you love, when you fall in love, nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. I mean, they could be like, right, messing right in front of me. There's nothing wrong with them. Nothing wrong with them. They're perfect. When you love, oh my, nothing wrong. Perfect. Everyone else can see it. all the wrongs. No, I don't see it. I'm perfect. They're perfect. That's, that's God's heart. 
That's God's heart. That's God's heart. Love has justified us. That's why he doesn't hear accusation against you. He only knows the good. He only knows he loves you. He only knows you're his beloved. No one can lay a charge against you. That's what the word says. If God is just for no one can lay a charge against me. <laughs> it's not possible. Not possible for anyone to lay a charge against you before God. Because he loves you so much. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation made right in his sight. And so I have, I put a note here. A guilty conscience is self-hatred, but a purged conscience is knowing you're loved. I already kind of touched it, so now we're going to go towards of just a couple more verses in Hebrews and going to wrap it up. And that's why I believe this message is a real core message. You know, we, we recognize the, the fight of faith and, and uh, the bombardments and all the attacks that come against us are really on our mind. But once your mind is fully persuaded that you're right with God, nothing really would face you. Because that is the shield of faith. The shield of faith is knowing I'm right. Because how do I believe I'm just? By faith. By faith. We've been justified how? By faith. Through his blood. So when I am fully persuaded I am just with God, it's a shield around about my mind. And I become less and less moved by the external actions. But I'm being led by internal persuasion. I'm just. Hebrews 9.11 Power of the blood of Christ. 9.11 But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats he didn't come with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he came. Ah, oh, he shed his own blood. It was not another man's blood. It was his own blood. With his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, that's with the old covenant. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, this is the work of the Holy Spirit, offered himself without spot to God, blameless, so we can now in his sight be blameless. So he continues, he offered himself without spot to God to cl cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. That this blood has cleansed my conscience from dead works. What are dead works wanting to be right? Earning righteousness. Working it out. Making sure God sees me doing it all right. So then comes up the shield. That, sorry, the, that mass. Here comes, here comes like the blood. No, no, no. I, um, don't look too deeply, God. I'm still, I'm working it out. Don't look too deeply, God. 
that God wants us to be open-faced before him, to know that he has already, he's the sole justifier of my life, and he's already justified me through this work of the cross, the shedding of the blood. 10.20, let's go 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, by a new and living way, which is through the blood, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Meaning that blood has cleansed me and I'm fully persuaded of that finished cleaning work that he has done. And because of that, now I can run boldly to him. Isn't that what he wants? Come unto me, all you are thirsty. Come unto me, all you who labor. I'll give you rest, rest for your souls. From meek and lowly, partake of me. He did that so he could be with us. He gave his body and his blood so he could be with us. He gave his body and his blood so he could be with us. So he'll see nothing wrong with us. So we can too see nothing wrong with ourselves. Through his divine persuasion, we call faith to walk out this marvelous salvation. We looked at last time in 1 John that God is love and God is light. John writes in 1 John both that God is light and God is love. And so keep that context in mind that we have been now what? Justified, that love has justified us. And so in, in chapter 1, 1 John um, verse 7, if we walk in the light, we can say if we walk in his love. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Christ Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And this is the end and the period to the matter. Right here, book of Revelation, chapter 1. It's why all of this. John writing to the seven churches, which are in Asia. This is book of Revelation, chapter 1, 4. Grace to you and peace from him who is who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us. What's my title here? Love justified us. Love has justified us. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Glory be to God. He made us just by that blood. He made us right by the blood. He removed every wickedness off of us by that blood. And has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And verse 7, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierce him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is 
and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Hallelujah. We're done.